Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host of the mostest, Adela Marcy, and today we're joined by my very good friend, brother from another and cousin from a distant land, Joss Aguirre. Joss, thank you for being on the show, man. What up, Adil? Dude, so good. Welcome. So good to have you here. It's been a long time, but we've been trying to get this thing done. Sure, man. How are things on your end? What are we talking about? Oh, damn. Started to be on the show. Oh, dude, it's going to, you know, just usual podcast stuff. We're going to really run through uh, how we have uh, conversations and stuff. I'm sure the viewers are in for, well, the listeners are in for a little treat, so I've got a little something uh, special planned for them, which I haven't really told you about, which is going to be quite fun. But before we do that, just a quick shout out to our sponsors to the show, uh, purelyhosting.com forward slash Adil. Go there, go and get your website built for you on a business VPS shared hosting kind of thing. They're really, really good at their stuff. Or, and also check out IamJossAgear.com, and that is A-G-U-I-A-R. Uh, he has a very complex name when you spell it out, um, and pronunciation is like ridiculous. But then again, you know, brown people, it's what we do. We give you complex reasons to actually uh, use the internet. Um, so by that, you can also go get Joss to design your site for, for you if you have the money for it, because Joss is not a cheap dude, but he is fucking awesome. Dude, straight up, like, uh, one of the best designs I know out there. Either pay him to design it for you or uh, pay him to consult on how you can make it look better. Either one's good, and trust me, he'll, you'll get details on that later when you email him. Anyway, so, dude, let's just start this off by saying, how the fuck did it take so long for us to get on a, on a podcast considering how often we speak? I think it's something to do with the UK time zone and how you're always all over the place, to be honest, mate. Too pretty busy. Much. Too busy for us all, Adil. Yeah, I, I actually think that's pretty much what it is. It's like, what time is it over there? Two o'clock in the morning. What, why are you still awake? Writing. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. By the way, Susan, what are you still doing? Working. What are you still doing? Up? Working. Pretty much. Like, it's ne- you never get a message back from the other guy going, what are you doing? Up? Um, well, occasionally I have a feeling that one of us will send this one day where it's just like, what are you doing? Jerking off. What are you doing? Just to fuck with the other guy. <laughs> but usually, I'm pretty sure we, we have had this conversation before with you and other marketers, but I'm yeah. not sure how appropriate it is for your show. Oh, dude, I, I, they know. They're used to this. They, they're used they all to know about Adele's joking off. All right, all right. Oh, no, they, they all know about me, like, in my stupid sense of humor. Um, God damn. No, I actually did that to someone. Who did I do that to? I can't remember who it was, but someone messed Darryl. You and Daryl were talking about it. Oh, shit. That was it. Yeah, me and Daryl. Uh, he's a dude that... Yeah, Daryl Urbanski, who is uh, a great guy. He's actually been on the show already, so go ahead and check out his podcast when it's live. Um, should be live by now. Uh, but shit, yeah. we just I think we spoke about it on air as well. We joking, We joked about jerking off on air, which is brilliant. <laughs> Hey, don't worry. I, I've made like worse jokes on this show. It's it's fine. I've been forgiven for them, so it's all good. Um, but yeah, dudes. Okay, cool. So you are what 22 currently. Yeah, you're twenty two years you old. Know, I'm sorry, you young motherfucker. I'm turning twenty seven in like thirty days. So like you know, have you have you have you got the planet selected yet, or are you still looking for like the perfect? Cemetery, or we still we're more at that stage where you're looking for the walking frames and stuff. Oh no, no, we're at this stage where I'm looking at the nursing homes. Going, I want to retire there. My entire nursing home, like like my entire nursing home logic is go with where has the most sex because I don't know if you know this, but retirement homes are just basically sex like sex orgies. They're just orgies right until you die. There you go. It's like the best thing in the world. Right. 
How do you die? You go out with a bang, quite literally. Um, well, not literally. I really can make that joke, but then again, I'm brown. So, ah, anyway, we're going into semantics. So, so completely back onto, like, the subject of business. Sorry, guys, we're just fucking around because, again, friends and have been for a really long time. How did you get into, like, designing shit? Because, like, you are, oh, in my opinion, like, one of the few guys out there that I truly trust with funnel implementation and funnel design. I mean... Well, that's why you and I work well together is because I actually design the damn thing or you design the damn thing. I write or I design, send it over to you and you just implement and it fucking works. Well, honestly, I never consider myself a designer. I never consider myself a marketer, all that stuff. The way it came about is I was trying to build, uh, trying to get more leads in my own business at the time, which was in the education space. And I went to the internet just to work out how to get leads and that led to other people asking me to do stuff for them and finding mentors, getting better, and it's one thing leads to another. Oh, wow. Okay, so what was in the educational space? Because I'm yeah. curious, because like, that, that's a story you've never actually told me. No, I haven't actually. About, what is it, three, no, five years ago, I was working full-time in education, so selling leads door-to-door and in shopping centers, the fun stuff. Wow. Uh, that got to a stage where I... The company I was working with was maxing out, like maxing out everyone that was there. So I got poached by another company to do their sales and rather than work on a base commission, I'd get a pure commission-based thing. So I thought like, okay, why am I knocking doors when I know I can get more leads online? So I went to a site called Gumtree and Facebook, and that's how I started doing online marketing. Literally just worked out. Same thing, most people understand that you need to understand your target market first. Being from working with that face-to-face for so long, I knew exactly what those people wanted. I knew how to communicate to them. I supplied it online and that's what started my digital marketing career. I've still actually got some people who I used to work with back then who are now clients in the martial arts space. Sweet. Okay, so just a quick side (laughs) note. For the people that don't know what Gumtree is, it's kind of like a Craigslist but for other countries, but better and less about having sex online um like you literally just sell stuff on there it's brilliant it's one of the best things about um gumtree uh, I, I picked up my oh, what the hell did i pick up there uh my camera awesome. my 600 like my canon 600d with like an extra lens and a battery pack and a, a remote control and everything like this thing was like worth around 700 pounds i picked it up on there for like 300 because the guy was like i don't need it <laughs> it's like all right i'll buy it I have to. I'll do it. Take one for the team. Yeah, pretty much. I, I I do not want this gigantic discount. The 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 powers of brownness inside of me just didn't actually elate slightly more than I thought they would. I've picked up like full gym sets, like from ex army dudes, like two hundred bucks in there in the past when I was like fifteen, no, fourteen or something like that. Wow. For you UK people, that's hundred pounds. Like, full on gym sets with the weight and everything. That's Americans. We use we use kilos over here. And I just said, what? Did no, you... The currency, dude. Oh, god damn it. I don't know. Okay. Adil, you're in a country called United Kingdom, right? So they use this currency, they exchange money called pounds? Oh, god, yes, they do. And how how dare yeah. they use such a such a shitty currency? I'm kidding. It's been one of the longest time. <laughs> it's not like, you know... You didn't do any levels of uh, you didn't do any level uh, economic study at all. You don't really run a business in pounds at all. You're just you're just there, aren't you? Yes, yes, I am. That's what I do. Oh, here's the thing. I think most of us work in the digital space. We always 
I think we always default to using USD in our heads. Well, we have to because, like, you got to realize the majority of our clients are American. Yeah. It's surprising. Like, America, America and Canada tend to use a lot more. Um, so it's just one of those things that you just got to look at as in how the hell does it all work out. Um, and right now, having a US current, having the US to UK currency the way it is, it's actually kind of good for me when I'm getting paid. Because I make more money. Because mm. um, before, we'd like to give you guys an example on like how it all works. If you're currently, uh, by the way, this is just a thing that's going to sound like conspiracy theory, and I apologize. No, I don't. But still, um, you'll, it'll make sense in a moment. Basically, if you trade forex and on currencies, you'll realize that the pound like depleted in its value after Brexit. Now, Brexit actually still hasn't happened, believe it or not. The vote to actually say they want to leave has happened, but the actual starting the process of leaving hasn't. What this has done, though, is weaken the economy momentarily. Now, how that all pans out for people that are trading on Forex is it means that your pounds are worth less, but your dollars are worth more. So if you can actually go ahead and buy more pounds, because believe it or not, a, a currency that's been around for around a thousand plus years, like the UK pound, uh, the pound sterling, why would you not buy a shitload of it knowing that it's going to make a recovery, right? Mm. So if you're buying it at $1.20, if you're buying it $1.29 for every pound, um, and you know that in previous years it's gone as high as $1.50 or even $2, why would you not buy the pounds now, keep them, and wait for the market to go up like it will do and sell it off for a sizable profit? Assuming you understand the market and know that it'll start to go up. Well, most, or like many things, it's taking risk. Yeah, but most, um, but most forex like, traders. Yeah, but I was gonna say most forex traders know their shit, so they're gonna go ahead and do this. And I'm not talking about like the guys that stay at home and stuff. I'm talking about the guys that can easily drop like a hundred thousand um, dollars on acquiring, you know, just over just shy of like seventy or eighty thousand pounds. It's a multi multi billion dollar trade that people trade in every day. It's yeah, it, shit load of money going around the place. Exactly. Now, the way that I'm kind of like jumping back onto this and how this all works out is that um, if you keep your eye on marketing trends like that, you can definitely go and actually see where, um, where, where, when and where to adjust your prices and what currency you should be working in if you work in freelance in different countries. So if you work in the U.S., then all you do is um, say, say you work with mostly U.S. clients and your entire prices are in USD. And something like this happens, keep them in the USD price range. It means that you make more money for your pound. But if you are in the UK, keep it and keep charging the US dollar. Because believe it or not, you'll actually make more money. Because if you say someone like, oh, my service is 1,700, uh, sorry, 1,700 uh, pounds or 20, like, let's just go back before Brexit. It used to be like um, $2,000 would be around... Uh, 1100 pounds like 1100 pounds now if the uk person goes hey can i get um you to design the site for me for 1100 pounds you can say yeah sure because it's 1100 pounds and you know that it all works out in the grand scheme of things but if something like this happens and you're still charging two thousand dollars you you just say two grand like you said two a thousand us dollars can you do it in pounds well you can it works out to this much they're like oh but it used to be this much it's like yeah that's because i used to charge two grand anyway it's just that it worked mm. out better for you. So if you have $2,000, you can hire me. And most people actually will be happy with that because it shows consistency. 
Um, it's only when you start changing prices based on what the market's doing right now that people get pissed off at you. So it's like 1,100 pounds. And then next week it's like 1,700 pounds. People are going to be like, dude, find a fucking price that works. That's consistent. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, that's, that's kind of like jumping off topic right now. But like back onto the whole thing about you, because that is kind of the area that we're looking at here. What's What really got you involved with like um, design? like really designed because you're actually an amazingly talented designer and I'm really shit at that. Again, it's coming down to process minded. I always needed to do things better than what I saw out there. So people started coming to me saying, look, I need this done and I've seen what you've been doing for yourself. Can you do the same for me? Okay. Um, that's really how it started and just understanding how other designs work and what actually converts better. So, Okay, so if you were to yeah. te- if you were to teach a dumbass like me how to basically get started in design, how would you do that? Yeah, to what works first. I'd there's a couple of training programs that I think are awesome. Um, one that does it amazingly is uh, Attention Thievery Academy and McLabs. So McLabs is one of the dudes who like pioneered it marketing space like way back when. Um, so he ran like thousands and thousands of split tests back when the internet like first started. But actually, can you believe this? The internet actually turned twenty five a few days back. Wow! Like the actual internet, uh, Sir Bernard, I can't remember his full name, but that guy started the internet actually started about twenty five years ago now. So anyway, back on topic. One of these guys created his training program based on all his experience that he's run. So if you want to go to where the back. Go to source, go to McLabs training. Wow. Value proposition development certification course. And I think you can go on their website and find that. That's pretty awesome stuff, dude. I didn't have no idea McLabs actually was been, had been around for that long. Yeah, he's sort of way back in the big company just just hire him to run the thousands and thousands of split tests. So they that... start with what the value proposition is, then work out what the colors work best. And really dig into the numbers behind that. Um, again, the, coming from an engineering scientific kind of mindset is if you approach it as a experiment, actually, I wish people should pr- approach all the marketing is as an, is as an experiment and see what's going to work best. Yeah. But then use the data to back you up. Oh, yeah, you got to do that because if you just kind of like throw, well, start off throwing spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks, but then find out why it sticks. Yeah, so, so go with best practice. And your starting point, then testing. Like, that's where the value of using someone who's done those hours, who's done the training, who's been working on this for years to just fast track your own learning. Because you I think so many people go about it and think, yes, I learned myself. I'm just going to put some stuff together. Well, yes, you can. You can 100% anyone can, anyone can do marketing. It's not rocket science. The value of hiring someone to help you is purely that they've already run those hours. They've done, a, done those tests already. And they know what to change. Huh. That is actually really powerful, especially understanding it as well. And okay, cool. So let's just dive into this part then, because I'm I'm curious to like dive down this rabbit hole, especially considering it's you. How would like what advice would you give to someone that's basically just kind of like starting out in the sense of should they try and like go with what's tried and tested, or should they try and actually add their own flavor to it? Who's someone starting out a business owner or someone who's trying to get into marketing? Someone's trying to get into marketing. Let's go with that. Find a mentor. 
Okay, wow. Find yeah. a mentor who's done what you want to do. That's what you should do. Like, there's no point stuffing around with trying to work everything out yourself. It'll take you too long. All right, so who was your mentor? I've been mentored by a few different people. Okay, so, so who's your first one? Uh, Andy McMaster was my first mentor. Like, he taught me basics of business before I started going into the online space. And then he taught me more about the online space. Then I've learned from guys like Ben Simkin and a heap of others. That's cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and obviously when you come to mentors, give them value. Like, I think the first time I met Ben, I was like stupidly young. I just bugged him for coffee. Wow. But I think people who, people who know what they're, what they're doing and who have been there before, they want to give back. Like, oh, for sure. I mean, it's just the best yeah, way of doing it. So bring something to them. Say you're, like I've seen, I've heard people offering to do people's laundries or just help out with dumb stuff. And the fact you're offering means to them that you're willing to put in the work. Yeah. Or just if you've got some skill, like it doesn't take a whole heap of effort to deliver to uh, train yourself in one skill and find someone who can help you to hone your skills in other areas. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm going through this with Legion right now. Mm. Like, I'm taking on, like, uh, we spoke about it last night right before I went to bed. Um, for the people that sounded so dodgy and wrong, uh, no, we, we, we FaceTime quite often, like, and just have conversations about really random business shit at really odd hours of the night. So right before I fell asleep, Joss called me. He was like, hey, so we haven't spoken for a few days and we have this podcast tomorrow. Uh, what are we doing? <laughs> I was like, oh, just the usual stuff, you know. Oh, by the way, do you know anyone that's really good at Legion? He was like, why? And I was like, well, because they need to fucking sort that shit out because I'm good at doing it for others. I'm just really shitty at doing it for myself. Okay, cool. Yeah, go do this and just offer him, like, some of your copy critiques and the blah. I was like, all right, fine, that works. But even if you don't have any skills, I had this with... Um, I, I remember hearing this story from Ben uh, Settle about how someone didn't have money. I don't think that's what we talked about this morning, dude. Oh, no, not that. We didn't talk about that this morning, but, like, we briefly jumped into it. Um, But kind of, like, diverting into the whole Ben Settle thing. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, because this is, like, quite an important story. Ben Settle, who is one of the best email marketers out there, um, actually said this to me. He said this on the show, and he's said it several times. Um, Someone once came to him and actually asked him to mentor them on how to write emails, and his exact words were, Okay, it's going to be this much. And they're like, yeah, I, I can't pay. I don't have the money to do that. But is there anything else I can do? So he basically got them to pick up his dog's poop for like every day. <laughs> every day for like a, for, for a month. Yep. And that was how they made the payments for um, having his personal coaching. So even something mm-hmm. as minute and little as that works massively. Again, it's uh, most... <laughs> Once you're doing money, a decent amount of money, it's arbitrary, but the fact that someone's putting effort in means a lot to you. Yep. It really does. It's surprising. Now, kind of jumping into this, because there is something I do want to ask you on this, um, and your take on it. I've been... The whole thought process of being professional and amateur, right? The strangest thing that's been happening that I've been seeing with a lot of people is that you'll do... So, like, how do you deal with the situation? You get someone that you do some work for, and instead of them just kind of like, oh, yeah, hey, cool, this is awesome. I'm going to go ahead and do my thing. I'm going to run it. I'm going to do whatever. I'm going to test this design out, whatever it is. 
Uh, what they do is they give your work to basically someone that has no idea what your intention was, no idea what your ideas were. And they're, in this, they're, they're also a rival of yours, like a complete rival, but they're not at the same level as you. And they basically go ahead and give you a bad critique and that part and that client goes on and moves forward. How do you A, deal with that and B, how do you complete that contract? Sorry, I didn't quite follow that. Are you saying that you've given someone a bit of copy okay. and then they work with someone right. who doesn't really know what they're talking about to implement or someone else sees it? We'll use copy as an example. The entire thing was actually about a design piece that a friend of mine did, but like, okay. um, so, because I thought I'd ask you, you know, because you've gone through this and my advice this is just easy for me just to give them this advice on air. Um, but we'll use copy as an example. So yeah, say I wrote a sales piece for a client, um, rather than them either running it or like trusting my judgment and going with it, what they did, and this has happened, what they did was they showed yeah. someone that A, never speaks to me, B, is kind of shit at what they do, and C, just kind of like, they, they're not copywriters in the slightest. They're just showing my work to them like, Oh yeah, here's a pro level elite world class level copywriter. I'm gonna show you his work and you're a complete dumbass. The amateur's not going to know what the difference is. And that's basically what they based their test on. They used the amateur's copy over mine and then complained about the results. Yep. Yeah. Uh, a if they're paying you, they're an idiot. Huh? A, if they're paying you and then they haven't used your advice, they're an idiot. That's yeah. You really got to vet your clients out before oh, you bring them on. That's something you could. Oh no! I mean, this client usually is quite good. Yeah. It's just a, it's just an inconsistency with this one because I had a new guy come in, like a new marketing director in that company. So I was like, really? Okay. No, oh, that's where you just got to let them run their own thing. It's unfortunate, but it's how it is. Um, I actually who was talking about this? Kevin Rogers and. Uh, John Carlton, we were talking about one of their episodes recently, just the vetting process of clients. You've got to either vet them out first or learn from those mistakes and put it in, put it in practices to stop from happening. So understand who's got the error of your clients. If they're going to be in there, make sure that you've got some sort of control over that. Or just don't work with people you know are going to not listen to you. Which is hard when you're starting out. I think a lot of people work with clients I'll keep it myself. I know I've worked with clients that really I shouldn't have worked with. But it's the way you learn. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of incredible. Yeah. Like, it's true. You do need to vet your clients. You need to make sure that you can a like work with them and they will take your advice on board. I think Carlton, when he retired, he had that whole thing with. Um, was it the golf niche where he didn't want to work with them and they kept making it kept offering more and more money? Mm. And then I don't know the full story there. Oh shit, you don't. Okay, cool. So basically, what he did was that he uh, went ahead and did the. He went ahead and retired. Then the then the people yeah. in the golf niche. I think it was the one where he wrote for the one-legged golfer. Uh, that infamous <laughs> letter. They hunted yeah. him down for like a year, and he kept saying no. Until they up the price to the point where they, they agreed to all his terms, like we'll mail it without question, uh, and all this, that, the other. So it's just, it's ridiculous, like how he got his way. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, well, if you're paying someone that much money, you think you'll listen to them. You'd be surprised how many people don't, because they think that they just know better, and you're like, really? How the fuck do you know? 
Why are you paying me if you're if you know better? Then do it yourself. Yeah, it's it's important changes though. It's getting you're not working out who your heart is and whether they're gonna listen to you or not. And ultimately, hey, you did use my copy, so in a flop. Well, whose fault is that? Exactly. Yeah, I, I yeah, it's it's strange. So like, if you're listening and you're going through a similar situation, I guess what the best thing to do is for you to actually have the ability to walk away from a client as well. Like, fire them if you need to, if they're being a pain in the ass. Because that's probably one of the best ways to get rid of them. Yeah, well, obviously, you just fire clients that aren't doing what you want them to. Or if you are doing, if it's a one of kind of gig, like, you, there's only so much you can do. You put all the pl- pull the measures in place, make sure you venue clients, but at some point you still are going to get a few rotten eggs that come through those filters. Or often it's not even your fault. People will have things change in their lives that you won't even know about. Yeah. So true. So, all right, speaking, jumping off of that point onto something that's a little bit more happy times than what's going on with Joss right now, what would be some advice that you'd start giving off to, like, if you were going to go back to, like, say you were 18, bar the mentor part, because we know you're going to give that piece of advice, what other piece of advice would you give yourself? Like, two more pieces <sighs> of advice that you'd give yourself. It's not sound cliche, but just keep going. Like, keep going, just don't care what other people think. Um, don't waste your time with people that aren't exactly where you want to be. And that's hard, that is hard to tell. I mean, especially the digital marketing space, there's so many people that fake it, do this whole faking it till they make it type of thing. It's rare you've really got to take a step back and look who's actually giving legitimate advice and who actually is doing exceptionally well in their businesses. I mean, there are... There are very few people that do legitimately well. Like you look at guys like, hey Abraham, you look at the Halberts. They've actually got a structured business, and you see either find a way to work with those guys somehow, or find a way to learn from them, or just absorb everything that they've written. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and again, go on. You're saying, and again, a lot of Jay's stuff isn't always the easiest stuff to read because there is just so much of it. But that's probably one of the best education you can get. Yeah, Jay's stuff is amazing. I always I always equate Jay as um, so I've got like I always look Jay Abraham, Gary Halbert, and Dan Candy. They're like the three guys in a row. And the way I look at it is kind of like Gary is essentially the perfect soldier. Like he's the guy that's in the trenches that gets shit done, that gets the money, that knows what's going on. He's he's your he's the guy right at the front. Now behind him the commander that kind of plans out quick strategies to get things done. Um, I'd say Gary's more executioner. That's that's how I'd put him. Uh, and this isn't in rank, by the way. This is just how I see their different strategy styles. Gary's very much, I'm here, I'm going to do this, we're going to get done. Whereas Dan Kennedy's very much, I'm going to hang back a little bit, I'm going to look around what's going on and command like strategies on a field and move my troops there accordingly, namely my finances, so I know I can get the biggest yield. Then you have Jay, who's Actually- big... Gone? Yeah, just saying on that, I think Gary's one of those brilliant guys that'll get stuff done, but doesn't necessarily have the foresight to plan for his own future as well. That's what I mean. just a brilliant cash money guy. That, that's what I mean. It's very much like in the moment now. Yeah. Um, um, go on. Yeah, but I was going to say the last person. Um, the last person okay. that, yeah, is Jay. Jay's actual thing, which is incredible, is his ability 
to sorry um jay's ability to sit back right at the back of the command center and plan the entire strategy going like 10 years forward until the end of the war like he's that kind of strategist and that's the, you got to have a combination of all three Yeah, Jay's, Jay's what I call a big picture strategist. The other thing I just kind of missed out there is a lot of people forget about the classics. Like most of the stuff we're practicing in marketing now was really created by the uh, digital, the turn of the century guys, Eugene Schwartz, Charles Schwab, and David Ogilvy. Oh no, even like, further back than that is like Robert Collier. If you can get your hands on the Robert Collier book, it's yeah, um, really all those guys. Brilliant. There's a really good book a fellow Aussie recommended to me, uh, Trevor. Crook, the toe cracker, he recommended this book to me ages ago. I've, I've read it a couple of, like once. It's brilliant. It's right on my shelf. It's looking at me. And that is uh, The Hundred Greatest Advertisements from 1852 to 1958 um, by, Juli uh, by Julian Watkins, I think his name is. Dude is legendary. There's so many good ad pieces in there. If you haven't already got it, get it. It's like 20 bucks to order. Buy it. And trust me, you're ready. You just get ready for some amazing copy to just like come flowing out. One thing I'll add to that, though, I find a lot of the, those classics is they are built for disruption marketing through newsletters, newspapers. Yeah. So just take into account when you're who your actual audience is and how specific you can get. I think the power of digital is that we can get very targeted ads, which they weren't able to do in the past. Which, if you're using those, the stuff they used to use, it look you look like a bit of a attention seeker. Oh, massive. Like some right. of those ads. Oh, definitely. But what I'm saying is look at the, uh, okay, so the advice I give from here is look at it from, um, and this is really kind of what separates me and from other people. Um, the reason I can use ads from like 60 or 100 years ago, even 120 years ago or longer is quite simply because you look at the wording, the structural piece, the structural integrity and in the wording of the copy, not so much the, um, like, why do they do that? So like you were saying, it's very much like attention market. It's, it's attention getting, yes. But how can I transfer that attention getting into a more refined storyline? Is what I look at and go from that. I think everyone should do that to yeah. a certain degree. It's just so amazing. Again, just understanding who you're supposed to be marketing to and what they want. That's literally the basics of marketing. It's finding a way to communicate that to them in a sales process that makes sense. I think so many people forget that going online, you're still talking to a person at the end of the day, you still need to work out how to communicate them on a one-to-one -one level and it's just a amplifier of that. Yeah, massively. Like The internet is just another medium. A friend of mine uh, literally just said that. He was like, you know, dude, it's literally just a medium to transfer between um, the speed of transference of information. That's all it is. Application tool. So, this why so many of the great marketers have had that face-to-face -face sales experience before they even got into digital or fully onto marketing full stop. Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of amazing though. Like just when you think about that kind of stuff, I, we keep kind of going back to like the copywriting side of stuff. It's kind of interesting. Um, I know it's a massive integral piece, but like I kind of want to dive into uh, what you would recommend, what you would actually see more or less on the side of things that is um, that has to do with mindset. Like, what, what's your uh huh? Just dropping shit over here, like a like a boss. Really, that's what you heard me dropping uh, a light switch. Yeah. Well, we haven't heard Chase in the show yet. 
Oh no, he's he's been a pretty good boy right now. Like he's just he's woken up to go sniff the light thing, but I think he'll fall asleep again. He's not feeling the best right now. But cool. yeah, so, um, okay. So I guess there's two sides of my especially when you a learning. A you got to become proficient in what you did before you can really charge a good price for it. So there's one that off. Learning how to push, learning how to do it. There's a mindset of saying, okay, you know what, I actually am worth 5, 10, 15, 20, 40k. And you do sort of realize that. You're sort of realize that once you are making that money for your clients and then some, like, sure, sort of realize that, shit, I just made this person a million dollars and I've only charged this amount. I think it's time to up my prices. Yep. That's pretty much how I started out um, with. Oh crap! My client made a million dollars off five hundred dollars they gave me. Fuck that! I need to charge more. <laughs> and, Actually, uh, that I guess mindset of some people struggle with just doing like what? it boggles my mind. People get stuck on the simplest of things that you like. It, they know that it wouldn't take them long to actually physically do it, but they just get stuck. They feel like they've got to take longer. Think when it comes, people come back to this point of. A task will expand the time frame you allow for it. I guess so many people have online businesses, they haven't set themselves an actual time to get it done, so that's why it takes forever to get, get finished. Um, another thing is mindset of having an MVP, it's a minimal viable product. So just, end of the day, get it out there, put it out, test it, see how the market responds. If the market doesn't respond the way you want it to do, change it. People spend weeks and weeks and months on getting their website done when people don't really care about your website as much as you think they do. Get it out, have some good content on it, see what people say. Get some clients out of it. Yeah. It's the best thing, like run with uh, the old saying was like basically run before you could walk at times. Kinda works. Exactly. I think my current side I've probably spent three hours in total working on it. I've got a few things I could do fixing it, but it's What's that? I'm going to go check it out. Yeah, I've spent three hours in total. I've got to change it and do all sorts of things. But it's, again, it's getting me leads, it's getting me clients, it's getting me sales. That's all that matters. Yep. That's all you need it to be. Oh, that's fair. Cool hmm. shit. All right, sweet. So, all right, just jumping directly into kind of the last bit of the podcast and show. You've, you've kind of already answered the question that you usually would ask at this juncture, but I'm going to ask you a different question. Because the usual question is like, what three things would you give advice to? And you've kind of done that, get a mentor, and all the other fun stuff that we basically discussed a few moments ago. Your ne- the question I'm going to ask you right now, because I know it's one that I've dealt with, and you know I've dealt with it uh, repeatedly, but how do you keep going when everything just seems to fail? Like, uh, I'm sure you've been through that situation where like you feel like you've lost your confidence, all this, that, the other. How do you get up and keep going? Um, something you do is just stop for a little bit, get out. Like, I think, I think it's something I've obviously run into myself is that you just sit in front of the computer and trying to hit, hit your hands up a wall. But sometimes you, the best thing to do is get up, go out, clear your mind. Mm-hmm. Once you get your clarity, you can work out what you need to do again, and it'll get it done quite quickly. You'll find. That's one of the reasons why people will start stuffing up is because you haven't got clarity or you're not entirely sure what you should be doing. So if something's 
wrong with the mental space where you need to go out and just remove yourself from the situation that's preventing all those roadblocks. Upgrading all those roadblocks, rather. That actually is quite powerfully true. Um, Alright, cool. You do it when you go down to your beach streets, don't you? That is one of my places where I go to disconnect, but um, it's usually now the small disconnect for me at the gym. Hmm. Like whenever I go there, oh. just train, just perfect. Well, physical or mental, I think that's a big thing. Like, so yourself and a few other big guys get into martial arts, and other people get into straight weightlifting. Others get into jogging. Whatever it is, you need to disconnect or just de-stress. You need to do that. Well, heck, actually, I love I love watching movies or listening to music myself. You don't have to think much and just allows you to stress out. Uh, de-stress that's pretty cool what about um, okay so kind of like movies wise what do you like uh, action or comedy so I recommend the, two. Oh, okay what I watched recently one of the recent films I watched London has fallen actually not a bad movie really yeah not bad interesting that was pretty good not so much recently He's on a stuff, so he's just going through his Netflix account. Like, what the fuck did I watch recently? Yeah. But yeah, uh, uh, if you haven't, but Suicide Squad is uh, surprisingly good. Yeah, I, I agree. Sure, I heard so many bad reviews. Yeah, I know. You'd think it'd be a horrible movie the way it was got it got slated, but it's not a terrible movie. I mean, it's pretty the, good. Yeah, I'd say Cara Delevingne can't act for shit, but you know, it's a good movie. <laughs> Still good looking. Fair enough. I'd give it to Margot Robbie. Her Harley Quinn was amazing. Oh, yeah. Let's try and get started. Dude, I think um, Will Smith's found a little protege in her because she keeps popping up in all his films now. Yeah, I, I think they're working together on quite a lot of movies uh, together. Because they were in... What was that one where he was a con man? Um, time? No, it's not time. I don't time. It's, um, yeah, it's a really good film. It has both of them. That actually, Will Smith is a brilliant example of business because he kind of knew exactly where he wanted to do and he tested the, got the results from the market before he even started positioning himself properly. Like, he had success in the music industry, but when he started moving towards film, him and his producer sat down and looked at what the best grossing films were, and that's what they decided to go off and do the roles for him. Yeah, you also, the, the other reason as well was they had to, uh, he was running out of money. And was being sued by the IRS for like two million dollars, uh, so that's why he started the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Yeah, again, Hollywood really smart stuff that was done there from business point, especially starting their own production company. Yeah, wait, what's this production company? What's the production company? Let me double check. It's got Overbook films, that's what it is. What was it? Overbrook. Huh. Pretty cool. Yeah. Him and his producer, he works on everything with, did that. Sweet. That is amazing. All right. So, guys, go ahead, check out IamJossAgear.com. Joss will probably be back on the show at a later date, or if we can do it in person, we will do. Um, But, dude, thanks so much for coming on the show and dropping some great knowledge. 
Most welcome. It's good fun. I'm glad to hear it. Guys, go check out Joss's stuff. Annoy him, bug the shit out of him, and if you want, hire him because he's absolutely one of the best guys out there what he does. Um, I'm Adel Marcy, and I will see you on another episode.